may be seated and let's take God's word together this evening and turn to the Old Testament book of Judges, if you would, Judges chapter 13, and we've been been looking together at the life of Samson and I just started a new, a new series here recently. And on a Wednesday night, we've also been looking at the New Testament church leader and I wanted to take a, a little bit of a a break last last Wednesday we did our Thanksgiving service and um, I was meant this evening to speak about the role of an of an elder we looked at the New Testament word of a minister the New Testament word of a pastor the New Testament word bishop and we'll look next at elder and uh, that won't be not tonight but God willing when I return from our trip in Zimbabwe Judges chapter 13 I want to look at the last two verses of this chapter and uh, we looked Sunday in Judges 13 at the vow of the Nazarite and what it was to be consecrated unto God. And tonight we come to the last two verses of this first chapter that records the life of Samson, quite a remarkable man. Judges 13, we'll look together at the last two verses. The angel of the Lord had come to Manoah and his wife, well, come to his wife on two occasions, and he instructed Manoah and his wife how this child should be raised, instructed them that this child would begin to deliver the nation of Israel. And uh, so after the angel had left with the instructions on how to raise this child, he ascends into heaven, and uh, Manoah's frightened that that they're going to die, and uh, he had a proper fear of God, which was good, but of course, Manoah's wife, as is often the case, had a little bit more sense than her husband did and said, don't worry, surely God is not going to kill us. He wouldn't have, if he was going to kill us, he would not have received our offerings. He would not have showed us all of these things and would not have told us such things. And so, She had a good balance and understanding of who God was. And then we come to the last two verses. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtel. And tonight I want to speak just briefly on this subject, moved by God at home. The key to Samson's strength, I think we all know, the key to Samson's strength is that it wasn't his strength at all. The key to Samson's strength was that it was the strength of God. And that is testified in the number of times, really five distinct times, in the life and ministry of Samson, we're told, we find this expression, the Spirit of the Lord. Here in verse 25 of the 13th chapter, the Spirit of the Lord began to move him. In the 6th verse of the next chapter, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And in the same chapter, chapter 14, verse 19, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Chapter 15, verse 14, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And perhaps the saddest verse in the life of Samson's record is in chapter 16 and verse 20, that he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. He didn't even know. We find one last demonstration of 
God's spirit when Samson bowed himself and, and was able to press with all of his might in the, in the house where the 3,000 Philistines were worshiping their false god tumbled and crumbled. And so we have these demonstrations. Samson's life and ministry was marked by movements of God's spirit. Now we all want that, don't we? We all would like to be able to tear a lion to pieces. That was one of the times. The killing of the 30 Ashkelonites and spoiling the enemy. The killing of the 1,000 Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. The killing of the 3,000 Philistines in Gaza. Destroying all along, destroying the works of the enemy. By the way, that is exactly what Jesus came to do. Another picture of our Lord. In fact, every time the Spirit of God moved upon Samson, it involved the destruction of the enemy. And uh, we find another, this is another parallel to the life of Christ. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Part of Jesus Christ's work on this earth is the destruction of that which is evil. And sometimes we can talk about only the sort of positive, lovey-dovey, fluffy, comforting, sensational side of it all. But there's a very real part of Christ's ministry which involves the literal destruction of the enemy. And Samson was anointed by God to destroy the enemy. And that was demonstrated at the times that God's Spirit moved upon him to help him to do this. Now we all want this kind of strength and power. Let's be honest. Every one of God's children, I hope we dream, I hope we envision being used of God in some big way. And I don't mean a big way like some of our televangelists have imagined it to be, but I mean just making a difference. Making a difference in this world with some, with some recognizable difference. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and Verse number one, the Apostle Paul uh, tells us that when he came to Corinth especially, but when he came preaching the word, he did not come in man's terms. He didn't come to impress men, but we're told in 1 Corinthians 2, when I came unto you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I've, I'm, I've learned a long time ago, I think I'm beginning to learn, uh, that what God is looking for is not big, fancy, excellent speeches. Big, flowery, intellectual speeches. No, when Paul came, he came with one thing in mind, to preach Christ and Christ crucified. And the scriptures say in verse 4, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Leonard Ravenhill once said, we don't need a new definition of Christianity, but a new demonstration of it. And I think we've reached, we've reached and arrived at the time in human history when people are tired of hearing words, empty and powerless words. But what we need is the same thing that Samson needed, and that was for a movement of God's Spirit upon us. The kind of a movement that allows us to rip lions to pieces, that allow us to spoil the same enemy who has spoiled the church of God for centuries. 
The kind of power that allows us to destroy. The Spirit of God didn't begin to move him in Zimbabwe. Well, if you lived in Zimbabwe, then yes. James is from Zimbabwe. The Spirit of God didn't begin there. It began at home. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I dream and envision. I, I want to go here and preach and go there and do this. But it all begins at home. If we don't get it right at home, what makes us think that we'll ever do something big there? If we cannot learn to hear the voice of God's Spirit at home, if we cannot learn to be led by the hand and Spirit of God in our own homes and in our own communities, in our own local church, then what makes us think we'll ever be used of God outside? And so thus the title, Move by God at Home. These two short verses are the only two verses that we have about the beginning of Samson's life. It's interesting, we aren't given very much about the beginning of Jesus' life either, are we? We're really given one account, and that was when he was 12 years old at the temple in Jerusalem. You remember that story? There he was, his parents went to, went to the city uh, for, the, for the census, and as they were leaving, they were a couple of days down the road before they realized that Jesus was not with them. They panicked, looked for him, headed back to the city, and finally found him in the temple teaching the teachers. And Jesus said, wouldn't you know that I'd be about my father's business? That's the only account we're given of Christ as a child. And here is the only account we're given of, of Samson as a child. The Bible says in verse 24, the woman bare a son and called his name Samson, which means literally sunlight or like the sun. That's what Samson means. And interesting, this was after a dark period in Israel's history. This was the pattern. If you remember, Israel was constantly uh, repenting of their sins, God sending a deliverer, them being rescued, restored, drifting off again, walking away from God, mingling with the heathen again, spiraling down, down, God giving them up to an oppressor, to an enemy, being judged, and then God, them crying out in repentance and God delivering them. That's the pattern. That's the pattern of most of us as well, isn't it? That's the pattern of our lives as well, unfortunately. We seem to be walking good with God for a season, really growing, really heading upwards, doing well. And then we fall off the back of the wagon somehow. And we end up miles away from where we ought to be. And God allows the oppressor, He allows an enemy, He allows the enemy to oppress us to the point where we finally look back up to God and say, Okay, God, I'm sorry. Restore me. I repent. Return back to Him. He restores us. He delivers us. Reinstates us. We walk with Him again until we fall again. But it doesn't have to be like that. It does not have to be like that. But this was the pattern of Israel, and it was going worse and worse every time they had a new deliverer, a new judge. It was getting progressively worse. That is the pattern for Christianity. In 2022, we're worse than we've ever been before. And the Bible tells us that it's only going to get progressively worse in the world. And unfortunately, that also is reflected in the church. In fact, if you look at the New Testament, we find that the, the, the indication that we're getting closer to the end is not by looking at the world, but by looking at the condition of the bride. The, the, the description of the last days is always found in the context of the church. 
And that's how we know we're getting close because we recognize, as Peter says, in the last days there'll be many who scoff and say, where is the promise of His coming? For since the beginning, these are those who believe. Those who believe in creation. These are those who are believers, but yet they're scoffing at the return of Christ. And the condition of the church is oftentimes the indication of where we are in the timeline of, of history. And we're getting close. Things are getting worse and worse. But God has raised up a deliverer. The last deliverer was Samson. The last judge was Samson. Well, we know the last deliverer is Jesus Christ himself. And he's coming again. He will be here soon. That's why we are always encouraging and challenging one another to be ready for his return. But here we have the beginning of Samson's life. This son of, of the light, this sunlight child. This child that was to bring sunlight to the nation of Israel, to bring hope, light in a dark season. By the way, Christian, that's you and I. Remember what Jesus said, ye are the light of the world. You and I ought to be lights in this dark generation. We occasionally meet people wherever we go. It's interesting, I met with some of the uh, workers today. We had a, a coffee together, just a little bit of planning for the, for the next month. As we were leaving the cafe, uh, Jenny was in the same cafe, and she was sat talking to a woman who just happened to be from New Zealand. Many of you know, and God willing, in January, we, a couple of us will be taking a trip to New Zealand to speak at a conference there. And interesting, you think that's a coincidence. And she was a believer as well. And she noticed there was, there was one of our sisters reading a little Bible, and she noticed, and she was reading a little book about the Holy Spirit. And amazing how we ought to shine in a dark era, in a dark world, Last week I met with the president of the Oxford Christian Union. And she said, I come to the same cafe every single day. And I sit in the same place. And people, have, this is my way of shining. I bring my Bible out. I talk with people as loud as I can about Jesus. I pray as loud as I can. And people know. Uh, the staff know her there. And, and one of the members of staff came and brought her tea and then gave her a hug. And, and uh, she's well known. Well, she's shining. That's what we should be doing. In a dark world we ought to be the Samsons, the sunlight. When everybody's lost hope of deliverance. Now would you look here for a moment. Do not let yourself become like the rest of so-called Christianity that mumbles and grumbles and complains about the condition of society. Don't do it. Our brightness is not dependent upon the condition of our society. Our brightness comes from Jesus Christ. He never dims his light, nor should you. I know the world's in a mess, but we aren't. We have the Savior. We ought to be like this child who was called Samson, sunlight, like the sun. And the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord began to move him. It's an interesting study to look at the word every time the word began is mentioned in Scripture. God begins to do different things. And it's amazing. We are especially interested in beginnings when God is involved. We oftentimes say about one another, it's not so much how you begin, but how you end. But I'm very interested in what God begins. I am very interested in what God starts. You may not, we may not be too interested in what people start, because sometimes what we start fizzles out. But I am very interested in what God starts, because if you remember, being confident of this very thing... He that hath begun a good work in you 
will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So if God has begun something, then he intends to finish it. And that's what we're looking at here. The Bible says the Spirit of God began to move him at times in the camp of Dan. That expression, in the camp of Dan, is the Hebrew word Mahanadan, literally in the camp of Dan. We find it later in chapter 18. And it doesn't just happen. Listen, the Spirit of God doesn't just, doesn't just move on somebody suddenly at times, but it begins somewhere. There's got to be a start somewhere. It begins to happen. And beginnings are very important, especially when, it, when we are concerned with the things that God begins. You think about beginnings, that means the start. Genesis is a, is a book of beginnings. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're concerned about the beginnings. And the place of beginnings is important. For Samson, it was at home in the camp of Dan. That's where it all began for him. This is why it is so important, parents, that home is what it ought to be. Fathers and mothers, that's why it is so important that our home is what it ought to be because we want to provide the opportunity and the atmosphere, as it were. We want to give as much as we can so that God's Spirit can move freely in our homes. I do not want the Spirit of God to have to climb over top of me and push me out of the way to get to my child. I don't want to be a hindrance to God's Spirit. I want to be, I want to be a vessel that is clean so God's Spirit can move through me. And I want our home to be that way. So that if God wants to move upon one of my children, I don't have to be pushed out of the way for Him to do it. It began at home. Fathers and mothers... Is your home the kind of a place where God's Spirit can move freely and clearly and powerfully? Now, thank God, God's Spirit is able to move in spite of us. That's a good thing, isn't it? He's able to move in spite of us. And I've, I've seen that in my own life. God is able to work in my children in spite of me. But it is important. In fact, the very first verse about his childhood has to do with the way he grew and how God began to bless him. I think it's always encouraging when we can see God beginning to bless a child. That's encouraging. Now let me just give you this little observation. This began, look at it says in verse 25, Samson's life began between Zorah and Ashtol, and his life ended. Look please, chapter 15. Larry, have a seat, buddy. Sit down. Chapter 15, verse 31. The scriptures say this, chapter 16, verse 31. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Ashtol. His life began between Zorah and Ashtol and he was buried in the same place. So let me remind you, the beginning is very important. How you start is very important. In many ways, it begins to set the pattern for a child and for yourself spiritually, how your spiritual life begins is very important. That's why it's important when somebody is born again as a church, we ought to gather around them and support them and disciple them and teach them the things of Christ so that they're not left to figure it all out to them, for themselves. If somebody gets off at the beginning just slightly, then a few years down the road they're way off. So the beginning is extremely important. Foundation 
is being established. And look what it says. This is the only time it says this. The Spirit of the Lord began to move at times. Perhaps the Spirit of the, God, of the Lord God came softly upon Samson for a little while uh, so as not to frighten him. Perhaps the Lord moved Samson in a small way at first so that Samson would be, begin to be accustomed to what it was to be led by God, to be empowered by God, so that every time God's Spirit came upon him, it didn't frighten him, but instead it comforted him. I believe God deals gently with us. He began to move him at times. I'm thankful that God knows how to deal with us, aren't you? I'm thankful that God knows when to deal with us and where to deal with us. Now let's make this personal for ourselves. Where is our camp of Dan? Well, here's a good, a good indication. Here's a good example. This is your camp of Dan. This is your tribe. You belong to the tribe of Oxford Baptist Chapel. This is your tribe. You don't belong to another tribe across town. This is your tribe. And if the Spirit of God is going to move upon you, then He often will move upon you in the context of your home, of your camp. This is your camp. This is your camp. And if you're not concerned about laboring in your own camp, then what makes you think God's going to use you to labor elsewhere? If you're not interested in serving the local body, the local church, if you're not interested in getting involved in your camp now, what makes you think that God is going to use you out there? We find this pattern all through life. Uh, children at home, young people when they go to university. When, we, when I went to Bible college, I'm sure it's the same in every every era, but when I went to Bible college, you meet people who had big dreams about when they got out of Bible college, what they were going to do for God, but they didn't want to do anything for God while they were in Bible college. Now, what makes a student think that if they're not serving God while they're at Bible college, that they're going to somehow magically flip the switch when they get their diploma and start serving Him then? If you're not serving God now, if all you do is come and sit and warm a chair for a little while and then go home and go back to normal life until the next meeting, what makes you think that the Spirit of God is ever going to move upon you? Let it begin here. Come with an expectant heart. Now, I believe with all of my heart that from the, from the time that Samson was born, Manoah and his wife, Samson's mother, told that child from at a very early age, Larry, from a very early age, he said, did you know God's got his hand on you? God's going to use you. I'm sure from a very early age, Manoah and his wife told little baby Samson as they rocked him by the fire, look, you have been chosen of God. God is going to use you. Mothers and fathers, you want to put the same kind of thoughts into your children's heart and mind. Every night you want to talk to your children about how God wants to use them and God wants to save them and God wants to take them and use them. If you don't speak to your children about their future, you can be sure the world will. And it will tell them what you don't want your children to hear. Samson's father and mother put in, so he began to expect to be moved by God. I wonder, do your children expect to be used of God? I hope so. He was made ready at home. 
you can be made ready here by coming in with an expectant heart. Do you just come into church after a busy day, rush in, try to settle yourself down, try to calm and free your mind of distractions and, and then rush out? Do you know what? If you don't get your mind ready before you enter the tent, you're going to be halfway through the meeting before your mind is ever ready. If you don't clear your mind, if you don't pray before you walk into this place, if you don't get your heart ready before you come, you won't get anything out of it. Because you'll be too busy fighting off the distractions of, of the day in your mind and thinking about what you've got to do when you get home and what you've got to do tomorrow, and you will miss it all. Well, Samson, I believe Samson's family prepared him for this. The church, the camp of Dan, the camp of OBC will prepare you for what God has for you. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times. It's interesting when you begin to study the beginning of certain Bible characters' lives. Think about Moses. Think about his beginning. In a basket down the river. Growing up in Pharaoh's palace. And, and, uh, and then in the wilderness for 40 years. All of that was preparation. That was the beginning. But what about Joseph? Chucked into a pit. And then despised by his brothers and sold... As a, 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 into the slave trade and becoming a, a servant to Potiphar. And all on down we go, into prison, the beginning of it all. But don't, don't neglect that. How about David's beginning as a shepherd boy? All preparation for what God, how God was going to use him. And look back and see your beginnings. The Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtal. It's interesting that word Zora means hornet. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And Eshtal means entreaty. In between those two, in between the sting of a hornet and in between entreating of the Lord is where Samson, the Spirit of God, began to move upon Samson. Sometimes we feel like we're getting bounced back and forth between the two. And sometimes the sting of the hornet makes us cry out to the Lord. But somewhere in between is where the Spirit of God began to move in Samson. And it might be th tonight that you feel like all you're getting from life is one sting after another. Maybe today you feel as if life has dealt you a, a bad hand and you've got nothing but a bushel of bad apples from life. But can I tell you that sometimes exactly the place where the Spirit of God begins to move. In that place. And in your haste to get out of your current situation and environment, you might miss the reality that's exactly where God has you so he can begin to move upon you. Samson doesn't get to the lion until he experiences the movement of God at home. So don't be so quick to get out of home, to get out, out off of home base, because it might be just right where you are where God begins to move. Some of you know what it is to experience the movement of God's Spirit in your life. To be led by Him. To be spoken to by Him. Some of you know what it is when the Spirit of the Lord begins to move you. Others don't. But this is the right place to begin to learn that. This is the right place to begin at home. And not just in the context of your church family, but in the context of your own home. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet. That's at home. Shut the door behind you. At home. 
There's so many principles found in the scripture that begin at home. And I wonder tonight, what's your home life like? Do you know you can be the greatest, most respected human being on the planet and be the, hatest, the most hated person in your own home? We've got to make sure it's right at home. If I'm not the same at home as I am here, then I failed. Same for you. If it isn't what it ought to be at home, let's get it right at home. Let's begin to hear God's voice at home. Let's begin to seek His face at home. Then come the lions. Then come the... I, I can't wait for the 1,000 Philistines with a donkey's jawbone. I can't wait for that. But I've got to be used to being moved at home. Then that comes. It's a progression. Then comes the lion. Then come the 30 Philistines. Then come the 1,000 then come the 3,000. It's a progression. But we've got to learn what we've got to learn at home. I believe God has brought us together. God has brought you to the camp of Dan for a reason. God's brought you to this church for a reason. And let's get what we've got to get here and get involved here. What could you be doing? How could you be serving? What have you missed in the meetings? I'm the kind of person that I don't want to miss a meeting. I'm the kind of a person that I, I want to be in every meeting, well, not just because I'm the pastor, but because I don't want to miss what God's doing. I don't like being away from my own church. You know, I don't like preaching away because I'm afraid something's going to happen while I'm gone. And I'm going to miss it. I, I really don't understand uh, how some people can just one meeting a week and that eases their conscience and, and uh, that's enough. I want to be at everything I can because I don't want to miss anything. Can you imagine if the Spirit of God moved in a meeting like this and some folks weren't here? That's the way I think. Now, you won't think that way if you're not expecting God to move. You won't think that way. If you don't believe God's going to send revival, if you don't believe God is going to move, then it's not a big deal. But for me, it is because I'm expecting it. I hope to see it in my lifetime. And I have every intention and every reason to believe it could happen here. I hope you feel the same way. May the Lord begin to move at home. And may we be ready when he does. Would you bow your head with me in prayer? Father, we confess tonight that sometimes we neglect that which is most important. Forgive us for neglecting the home. Forgive us, Lord, and I pray that we might be ready. We might be expecting, looking and waiting for Thee to move. And we do pray that in our own camp, we might experience the moving of Thy Spirit upon us. And from here, be sent out and experience again and again what it is to have the Spirit of the Lord coming mightily upon us. We do pray that we might be dead to self and be willing to set aside those things that have perhaps hindered us from being ready. We pray, Father, that we might be indeed children of the light. We might offer light to a dark world and dark generation. That we might not just grow spiritually, but also be blessed by Thee. We might find ourselves becoming stronger and stronger and more and more useful to thy kingdom. 
Help us, Lord, when we feel the sting of the hornet to recognize that this is the place we ought to be. And may we entreat Thee more and more, seeking, Lord, to be as right with Thee as we possibly can. Move amongst us, we pray. Move upon us, we pray. Take away from this, this, this dead orthodoxy, this lifeless words that have no power. And replace it, Lord, with what the Apostle Paul came with in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Change us and use us for thy glory, we pray. For we do ask it in Jesus Christ's name.